Talk, talking crime, cases, and backing the blue. Now, here are your hosts, Ed Mamet and Kevin Schroeder. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Cop Talk. My name is Kevin Schroeder. I'm a retired NYPD detective, and I'm here with my co-host, Captain Ed Mamet. Hello, WABC listeners. I'm here for another episode with Kevin and our distinguished guest. Thank you. Uh, today, our guest, we're very fortunate to have uh, Laura Curran, who's the former executive to Nassau County and also has a, a radio show on Sundays called Cut to the Chase. Yep. WABC Radio as well as WLIR. And, Sunday afternoon at 4 p.m., 4 to 5. And also a podcast. Yeah. Like everybody's got a podcast now. <laughs> yes. Yes. So do we, right? That's and I'm where, happy yeah. to be on your podcast. We're doing a little synergy here. Yes. So anyway, Laura, welcome to the show. Thank you. And, Thanks for um, having me. You know, you you were journalists and and you a politician, and um, if you could just give us a little background of uh, your career, sure, an overview, sure. Great. So I kind of, uh, I guess I never really had a grand plan. Uh, I was one of those people who never knew what they wanted to do when they grew up. Uh, so I was always interested in journalism. I love writing. I love politics. So journalism was a natural fit. I was lucky enough to get a job at the New York Daily News. At the relatively young age of 26, I had worked at a small paper in Brooklyn for a while to kind of learn the craft. And I was also spent a short period of time at the New York Post back at the Daily News. So really covering New York City in the 90s and into the mid to you know 2000s, mid aughts. And I loved it. It was great. Uh, however, you know, fast forward, I had uh, some children, <laughs> my husband and I, and it was hard to be running around. I wanted to spend more time with them. So got involved in the community and I ended up running for school board pretty much on a dare. A friend said, hey, you covered education for the Daily News. Why don't you run for school board? And I thought, OK, sure, I probably won't win, but why not? I'll learn a lot. It'll be interesting and it's a good way to be involved. So lo and behold, I won and really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed dealing with the people. I enjoyed dealing with the budget and, you know, all the things you got to do. People, I even didn't mind people coming up to me in the grocery store complaining about their taxes or what was going on in the kindergarten or whatever it was. Uh, and so there was a legislator named Joe Scannell, who county legislator who lived in my town. He retired. Um, unfortunately, he's since passed away um, at a young age, but he retired. And, um, you know, I was approached and I said, yes, I would be very interested in running. So I served on the legislature for four years for two terms. And then I threw my hat in the ring for county executive, got through the primary, won the general and served for four years. And it was great. I loved it. It was a wonderful job. I had a great team. It was it was a tough time. We had COVID. We had the George Floyd protests. There were tons of storms. I mean, it just seemed to be a lot, a lot of issues that we had to deal with. But, um, you know, I really believe my team and I rose to the task, got the first bond upgraded for the county in 15 years. Uh, and something that I'll brag about on your podcast, since we're doing Cop Talk, we were named the safest community in America for three years in a row for the last three of the four years by U.S. News and World Report. And I was very proud of that because this was really at a time when people were, were and continue to be concerned about public safety. Yes, that's awesome. That's awesome. I remember watching you on television during COVID. And yeah. You did a great job. Thank and you. With your police commissioner, Ryder. Yep. Patrick Ryder. Yep. It was it um, was me, uh, Patrick Ryder, and of course, Dr. Larry, the health commissioner. We were like the three amigos through that whole time. 
Right. So, I mean, jumping from, you know, going into politics and, you know, becoming the executive for Nassau County, was it much of a difference going from, you know, the uh, on the school board to the big jump into the uh, the big game? Which yeah. Is well, executive? I was, you know, I the fact that I had served as county legislator for four years was incredibly helpful and really prepared me, I think, for the job because I got to see how the county works. I got to work with the department heads, whether it was DPW or police. And in fact, that's how I got to know Patrick Ryan because I was in the legislature. And from that perspective, I could see what a great job he was doing. And so then to, um, you know, he was acting police commissioner when I came in. And then I appointed him to be the actual police commissioner. And I, I was very lucky. Uh, it, well, I don't know if it's luck, but it was it was very helpful to have served on the legislature because I knew how things worked and I knew who was good, who was already there. And who wasn't? Because when a new administration comes in, the tendency sometimes is just to bring in a whole new crew, your people. But you need sometimes in running a county like Nassau that serves 1.3 million people, you need some institutional knowledge. And if you know who's good, you want to keep them. Right. Very true, Laura. Very true. That's a great approach. I really believe in that. You know, the often continuity is important. It is. Oftentimes, I've seen this in the city of New York. Uh, changes take place and the the old people are out and the new people are in and they have to struggle to catch up. That's right. Uh, that brings me to the question. You took office in 2018, correct? Mm-hmm. January um, 1. Yeah, what was the, at the time, what was Nassau County's overall crime situation, if you recall? Nassau County was was doing well with crime. We pretty historically have had a good, you know, pretty low crime rate, but there were concerns about opioids. Uh, there were concerns about burglaries and break-ins. Uh, there, you know, of course, there were big concerns during that campaign in 2017 about MS-13 and gangs. Uh, that's something that was really very much front and center. And, you know, my philosophy is government serves some very important purposes and I think the most important is public safety. And so, you know, talking about it during the campaign and then working on it as county executive that was was a big, big priority for me. Did you have any special approach or program to reduce crime? Yes. So one thing that I really believe is that having connections with the community and building trust between police and the community, and I'm sure you guys can speak to this better than anyone, is incredibly important. Because if, if witnesses, if sources, if victims don't trust the police, they're not going to talk to the police. They're not going to help solve problems. Uh, they're not going to let the police be aware if there's a gang member next door, or drug hap- drug situation happening in their community. So uh, one of the first things we did on the public safety front was the police commissioner, Patrick Ryder, started up. Uh, we helped him start up these Commit what we call commissioners community councils. So stakeholders from all 19 legislative districts, very big groups of people would meet regularly. And he, the thing that I like about Patrick Ryder is he's got very good, what I call connective tissue. He has, everybody's got his number. He'll talk to anyone. He he's good with all of our different diverse communities. He's got great relationships. And I think that really helped us make something that was good, even better, especially during a challenging time of those four years. Well, you had a, a, a well-regarded, uh, uh, opium um, program. Yes, uh, yes, uh, yes. That's right, and it was a lot. Opioids, I'm opioids. Sorry, opioids. Right. Well, it's all the same stuff. It all comes from the poppy, and now, of course, we're dealing with the fentanyl issue, which is so much. It's hard to imagine something yeah, can could you be tell even us worse. About that program. Yeah. So it was a multi-pronged approach. Where one thing we would do is obviously enforcement, and the police using data 
would see where overdoses were happening, where the arrests were happening, and then target those areas. And we would let the community know beforehand, just so you know, we're going to be around, we're going to be doing some enforcement in this community. And, you know, places like Massapequa, where the opioid issue was really prevalent. I remember East Meadow, you know, these other communities where a lot of young people were dying. Uh, Really serious enforcement. And then It wasn't just enforcement because we knew we couldn't enforce our way out of this. It was also giving people an alternative for treatment. It was also having county, uh, community-wide meetings that everyone from the community would be invited to talk about, you know, what are the signs, what to look for if you think your kid is using or how you can prevent this from happening. So it was all of these approaches together that I think really made a big difference. So it's enforcement, it's education, it's uh, the helping people get attached to treatment options, all of those together. Problem was during COVID, we couldn't do those kinds of meetings anymore. We couldn't have those kinds of, make those kinds of connections. So we did, and we also saw people isolated, home alone. I think we all know this now, you know, depression spiraling, hopelessness, almost seemed like it was going to be the end of the world for a few months there. And uh, unfortunately, we did see the rate start to go up. After we were allowed to be together again, we we relaunched it. How about uh, MS-13? Well, being extremely tough. uh, This was a problem that was quite prevalent out in Suffolk, uh, but it made a lot of news in Nassau because we had some bodies buried, Massapequa Preserve and other places. And so we had, you know, very, again, strong, data-driven enforcement, zeroing in on the problems, and that connective tissue with the community was incredibly important and made great, great progress there. But, you know, gangs are still a problem in Nassau County. People think of Nassau County as this bucolic place where everyone just plays Little League and goes to the country club. We got some serious gang problems in some of our communities, and it affects the whole county. Yeah, well, Peter King uh, would talk about that all the time. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Uh, that's a and that's he's he's a buddy of mine actually. I've had him on my podcast a couple of times talking about issues and yeah, this is something we've yes, talked about. Peter speaks very highly of you Aww, all the time. He's a sweetheart. Uh, you, we recent- always get in trouble because I'm a Democrat and he's a Republican, but we have nice things <laughs> to say about I each mean, other. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you should used be to be a that. Democrat and a Republican could you know over a beer, have a conversation, and yeah. you know have another beer and go home. Now it's a little different. Now it's a little you know, different. Uh, unfortunately, speaking of MS13, uh, as you know the. There's, there's a lot of controversy over the use of ICE. Uh, what were your relationships with the uh, you know, people from ICE? I felt it was important to have partnerships with other agencies, with all of our federal partners. And that's something that uh, not everyone was thrilled with me for taking that stand. But I think you got to work together. You got to work together with the state. You got to work with New York City Police, Suffolk County, New York State, and with our federal partners, including ICE. Yeah, um, and recently you did a an interview with uh, Police Commissioner Sewell. I did. Uh, yeah. What, what was your impression of her as a as the first female police commissioner in the history of the city of New York? It's pretty amazing, right? Yeah. So, um, I, sh- I we had worked together in Nassau. She was promoted to chief of detectives while I was county exec. Always just was so impressed with her her presence, with her work, with her professionalism, and with the respect that she earned from the, those that worked under her. I mean, they liked her. They respected her. I I feel that she's very diplomatic and I'm sure there's a lot that she's not saying, but that's that's what a professional does. It's very much a chain of command mindset. This is what I'm responsible for. I take my responsibility seriously. I'm not going to crap on anyone else because it's not going to move the ball at all. Um, I think she's incredibly competent. She seems to also be 
press, no, I don't want to say press shy, but not. she's not jumping in front of a camera every five minutes like perhaps some other police commissioners have done. And I think it's for her, it's about the job. It's about the community and it's about her cops. It's not about her ego. Well, she seems to be uh, well-liked, the feedback I get. Yeah. But one of the points she made, which is something I've always been interested in after a 40-year career in the police department, was police and politics. Yeah. Now and she got she, into that. I asked her about that. I, I know, and that's why I'm bringing it up. Yeah. But my, my concern is not so much the political situation between the legislative branch and the police department, but the internal politics of police work. Yeah. Now, you know, going back centuries ago, we had Tammany Hall here in New mm -hmm. York, and they ran the police department. And if you wanted to get promoted, for example, if you wanted to be a precinct commander, you had to pay off Tammany Hall a certain <laughs> amount of money, and that's how you got the job. Wow. So in its purest sense, politics and police should be totally removed from one another. Mm -hmm. But in reality, police have to deal somewhat in politics. Because well, it is a political appointment. The head of police correct. is and picked by the mayor. Correct. And you have to deal with the legislat legislative bodies, and they have a right to be interested in police. But what disturbs me is what takes place within the uh, police agencies, hmm. where the politics get involved, where to get maybe promoted, some politician will help you, and it undercuts authority in whoever's running the agency. Now, we're seeing a lot of that here in New York, hmm. uh, here in the New York City Police Department. We have a New York City Police Department's bloated agency. A lot of people have been placed into these very high-ranking uh, positions, you know, civilians, uh, that were at one time occupied by sworn members of the department. And it disturbs me because it's, uh, it's it smacks of cronyism yeah. and uh, nepotism. Um, and then they're always talking about defunding police. Well, all you have to do is reduce some of these positions and you'll save money. So that's. I got to think it hurts morale with the rank and file because they see this. They're not dumb. And then they it should be that you get a promotion based on the merits, that you get these positions exactly. based on the merits. So why am I working if it's just going to go to someone's nephew? Well, that's uh, what I was getting at. You know, it should be merit based. But, um, um, you know, quite a few of these positions are not civil service. Mm -hmm. And that's where the abuse of the, no test. The, the abuse of discretion comes in. Yeah, um, and that's something I uh, I would hope that she would take a good look at. Yeah, because because you know so much of what we're talking about, whether it's running a county or or law enforcement, or it's all about trust. And if people don't trust the process, if they don't trust that this is a, a you know an ethical merit based system, they're not going to trust it. And people see it as well. They might not know all the details, well, but they you, get it. When you were county executive. What was your what was your role when if if Ritus came to you and said I, I mean did he have to come to you and say I want to promote somebody or uh, he just did it or you left him do it on his own? We would have a conversation, um, and but obviously I would listen very I would take very seriously his suggestion because I well number one I trust I trusted his judgment, and we saw eye to eye on a lot of things. Uh, and number two, he's there day to day, so I'm gonna I you know. It will be a decision made by us, but I will take what he says very, very seriously. That's good. Okay. Yeah. So you listen because we to, had that trust. Yeah, you listen to Commissioner Ryder, what he has to say, and be guided by him. Of course, you have the ultimate decision, right? You can override him any decision he made. He made, but basically, your relationship was, and knowing who Ryder is and his reputation, you kind of be guided by what he's maybe. You know, which which avenue is saying we should go down for this particular incident. Exactly. And I, I think there was a real honesty between us. There wasn't, you know, you see sometimes between a police commissioner and a mayor, egos get involved and who's insulted and who's the bigger guy and all that. We really never had any of those issues. It didn't, it didn't 
it wasn't obvious anyway. Yeah. Because like I said, seen you many times on television with the COVID situation and you and Ryder got along very well. Yeah. It appeared that way and I'm sure that is true. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I gen and I also I genuinely like him. Yeah. <laughs> He's a good guy. You know, Laura, in in um in contrast with some of your democratic colleagues uh who were for bail reform. Yeah. Uh and you were you opposed it. I did. Um can we speak about that? Of course. Sure. So yeah. what's your thoughts on So I remember it was 2019 and I went on Fox and Friends. I was talking to Brian Kilmeade and I said, my con and, and I didn't just do say this on television. I also said it, you know, to anyone who would listen. I said, I, I'm concerned that this has gone too far too fast. There was a reason for bail reform. And there's the story of, I believe his name was Khalif Brower or Browder, the young teenager who was in Rikers for three years for allegedly stealing a backpack, was never, you know, he was finally let go. Uh, but, you know, not, nothing ever happened because he couldn't get out. He couldn't pay the couldn't pay the bail. And then he killed himself. And so obviously there was a need for some kind of reform, but it went way too far and it went, happened way too fast. And that was my concern. And I said, look, you know, the legislature passes this up in Albany, but then we here on the ground in the county and in our cities, we have to enforce it. We have to make sure it works and keep our community safe at the same time. And that was my biggest concern. And uh, some folks on, in, on my side were not happy with what I said. And I still hear about it from time to time. But again, what's my job? My job is to keep people safe and to represent not other elected officials and politicians, but to represent the people in Nassau County. And that's what I thought my job was. And that's how I approached it. And I got together, you know, a team of uh, law enforcement people, including Sheriff Errol Toulon, who is a Democrat out in Suffolk County, who were of, of a like mind. And we we called for, you know, common sense bail reform. Let's let's take a look at this. It's it's not a weakness to admit that something is not right. And then you can go back and fix it. And it's like inching ever so slowly towards some fixes. Uh, I still believe that the discovery needs to be fixed and the dangerousness should uh, be allowed by judges to be considered. It's still a mess, as we know. still a mess. And we still, see it. It's up in Albany and they're dealing with it. Um, can you give us an update on the bail reform up in Albany? So I wish I had some inside knowledge. It's funny because on my radio show, once a week, I have someone who either covers Albany. I had Zach Williams from the New York Post. I had Senator Monica Martinez from uh, Suffolk. County on yesterday to talk about what's going on. It sounds like they're making some incremental progress on bail. Uh, I think it's going to be, it's not quite all the way of dangerousness, but it's, uh, I think they might get rid of the least, the judges having to do the least restrictive consideration. But I'm dying to know how this ends up. This is the biggest suspense story right now between that and the housing and uh, charter schools well, and everything else. We could touch on the housing. Uh, yeah. What's the story with the housing? Yeah, with that, Nassau County. And, that went over like a lead balloon. Yes, the governor <laughs> wants to do all the above. Uh, what's, uh, what's your opinion on that? Oh, my goodness. Uh, so I love transit-oriented development. We need more housing on Long Island. New Jersey is outpacing us. I am a true believer in affordable housing. However, the way to do it, the exact way to not do it is to come and say, well, towns and villages, we're going to strip away your local zoning control and impose from above because we're much smarter than you and we're much better people than you impose on you how to get this done. It takes time. It takes handholding. You've got to talk to the mayors. You got to get them on board. You got to talk to the town folks who do the zoning. And you're not going to always succeed. But this will, this I'm concerned, this whole zoning stripping proposal is actually going to hurt 
development on Long Island because people are going to be even more turned off. So we've made progress. We've made a lot of progress. You see in Long Beach where you hang out, uh, there's some stuff happening in Lindbrook, in Rockville Center, in Farmingdale, Patchogue, Mineola. You know, it is happening. You got to encourage it and you got to incentivize it. But to for the elites to say, we know better than you, you stupid suburbanites, is a totally losing proposition. Not to mention this. So I look at it politically as a Democrat, seeing how badly Democrats have done lately on Long Island, this last congressional race in my race uh, in 2021. This is yet another reason why people on Long Island are not going to vote for Democrats. And I, I feel bad for the great candidates we have running this year in the local elections. Very true. And some of these towns already have the housing. They have a lot. Up. Right, exactly. Yeah. Some towns you just mentioned and have it's, it already. And it's gaining momentum. Don't don't strangle it. Right, exactly. You know, getting back to uh, bail reform, mm-hmm. uh, there was no planning in that. You know, it, it was so obvious to people right. like myself. It's like the housing. It's the same thing. It's like it's like a think tank of geniuses gets together who have not a lot of experience in the real world. Right. It just shows that the legislators, they have no management experience. They have no background. In it. They just come up with something and throw it in. They don't consult the people that have to live with it, like you and police officers. And, um, you know, it was predictable that crime would, would rise. I mean, anybody who was in law enforcement that I spoke to, we knew this was going to happen. And what shocked me yeah. is uh, several months ago, I don't remember exactly when, was the head of the Civil Liberties Union here in New York. I forgot her name. but is she it Donna said, Lieberman? Donna Lieberman. She said, oh, there's no statistical evidence or any correlation between the rise in crime and bail reform. Mm-hmm. I couldn't believe she said that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the thing with, with those kinds of statistics, and again, you guys with a lot of uh, law enforcement experience know that you can slice and dice statistics to say anything you want. That's right. It's kind of like the Bible. You can find support for anything you want in that thing. Well, the old expression is statistic don't, statistics don't lie, but liars do. Ah, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Well, the numbers, we know how the numbers go, right, Ed, when it oh, comes yeah. to crime stats? Absolutely. Yes, you, you know. see the massaging and so, the manipulating. Exactly. You know, it's everything. Crime is down. That's what they say. Yeah. Um, Nassau County is crime down. I I don't know how it is now. Um, I know there was like a catalytic converter thing. So I do. I have to. I, I think. I mean, I feel safe. Right. I'll put it that way. But I don't know how the statistics are doing. Right. I think Nassau is doing pretty well with the uh, stats, and I think most of it's legit because yeah. when we are in Long Island, we feel very safe, don't we? Unlike sometimes <laughs> being in our New York City subway. Yeah. Um, Although I'm, I don't have a lot of fear. I ride the subway. I walk around. I'm not one of those people who's afraid. I don't know. Maybe because I spent a lot of time as a young person in New York in the 90s when it was worse. That's true. Running around to crime scenes in Crown Heights or whatever it was I was doing. That's true as well. So what are your uh, plans? Will you be running for um, office again? Well, I don't have any immediate plans. I'm certainly not running for anything this year or next year. But, you know, never say never. I am told. I don't think I I want to, but I am told I probably will want to run at some point again. But my feeling is if I have a fire in the belly to run for something and I'm the right person, then I would have to consider it. But you got but you got to have that fire in the belly. You can't just do it because it would be cool to be in office. You have to really have a mission because think about it. You have to raise so much money. I mean, I raised more than three million dollars for my county exec races, which is an insane amount of money. That's great. You have to obviously make yourself very vulnerable. You have to spend time away from your family. I mean, there's a lot 
It's worth the sacrifice. It is 100% worth all of that if you have a fire in the belly and you have a mission, which I really did feel in my two county exec races. Um, absent that, I don't think I would run. You might have to change uh, party affiliation. <laughs> I was just going to ask you a question. Would you consider changing parties? I don't think so. No, I, I, I still believe in the Democratic Party. I still believe in, you know, safety net, helping people, being inc being inclusive. I do feel like a lot of Democrats who might not admit it. I feel like my party's kind of lost its way. Mm -hmm. I feel like we're losing a lot of who should be natural Democrats. A lot of the Asian vote, the Hispanic vote is drifting away. I think all of this emphasis on identity politics and on virtue signaling and all of that is a huge turnoff to me and to other potential Democratic voters. So that's, but, but I believe in my party, so I'm going to stay with it and I'm just going to say what I think. I agree. I agree. Um, so the answer is no. <laughs> yeah. The answer is no. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. Well, you're a, you're a common sense Democrat, yes. obviously. So, yes. and, um, I maybe I'll be an independent. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? And you're pro law enforcement, which is why we, what we like, and I'm glad you're here. Thank you. Um, Laura Curran, Thank you very much for being on Cop Talk. It was my pleasure. That flew by. It did. Well, when you have um, good uh, we, we people, love to, it goes fast. We'd love to have you back. Sure. Okay, we look forward to having you back. If you ever want me, a, I, I'll be happy to come, and well, I really we're going appreciate to it. Be, uh, we're going to be on your show. Oh, you're going to come on my show. They're coming That's on Cut right. to the Chase. So That's right. You're going to have to Cut tune to in. The chase. So we'll turn the tables, and I'll be asking you the questions. That's right. right. We'll do the podcast, and then maybe I'll play part of it on the radio. So you get a double. Oh, cool. People get Thank a double you. dose. Thank you. See, there you go. You're going to be a star. Sure. I'm going to make you a star, honey. <laughs> there you go, Cap. Well, Laura, once again, thank you so much and be safe out there and we'll see you soon. Thank you very thank much. You. And thank you both for your service. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Cop Talk. Be safe out there. Thank you. Thank you.